Welcome to the Whiteboard Session, Examining Our Faith, based on Luther's Small Catechism. This week, Pastor Zhang talks about the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Let's listen in. Uh, well, welcome everyone uh, here at Faith Moore Park in Moore Park, California. Um, thank you for coming again or visiting us again on this YouTube page about uh, the Whiteboard Sessions on the fifth commandment. We are continuing on with uh, our commandments and journeying through the small catechism as we learn about um, our one true faith. Now today, as we look at the fifth commandment, um, it is pertaining to murder. So that's what we're going to talk about today, murder. Well, before we do that, why don't we begin with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and my life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Amen. So yes, today, you shall not murder. We look at that... Uh, we look at the fifth commandment today about murder, and that's what we're really going to discuss. And I think it's more than meets the eye, or as I think the Transformers say that, right? I'm not sure. But it, it's more than just murder, and that's what we're going to go through today, because I think a lot of times, for most people, murder isn't part of their resume. Uh, but actually, it's this fifth commandment. I think all of us have uh, fallen to this more times than we, well, than we realize. And uh, today, that's what we're going to speak about. So to begin uh, with this theme of murder, uh, why don't we deal with uh, the first murder in Genesis 4? Uh, and uh, many of you, you know, uh, many of you already know this uh, story about uh, Cain and Abel. But in Genesis 4, uh, we read about uh, the offerings that they give, uh, whether it's Cain or Abel who gave his uh, first fruit offering. But there we see the reaction of, of Cain and Abel, or especially of Cain here in Genesis 4. And after they had given their offering, this is how Cain reacted. It reads, So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Okay, sin is at the door. It's crouching. And its, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. The sin of anger, as we see later in the verse, moves Cain to kill his brother. To murder his brother. Now this is rooted out of his anger, out of his jealousy, out of that sin which was crouching at the door. Right? It's interesting because, yes, he committed the act of murder, but it was because of those angry thoughts and, and, and um, evil uh, jealousy and envy that he resorted to these things. And that's what we're really going to dig deeper in today because I think a lot of times, uh, again, as I said earlier, we relegate the act of murder as 
the only way in which we break this commandment. But that's not, that's not really so. It, it goes further than that. So today, as we read uh, the Catechism, uh, the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. In brackets, you see right there, God's gift of life. Right? In the Catechism, you shall not murder, God's gift of life. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. So as you see on the board here, the whiteboard, hence the whiteboard sessions, we see hurt and harm, help and support. So which one is it? And which ones do we do um, according to each circumstance? And I think a lot of times when we look at the fifth commandment, um, it's easy to well, say, yeah, I'm not a murderer. I haven't killed anyone. Uh, but as we see in the explanation today, it's um, we should fear, love, fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor, but help and support him in every physical need. Right? So this is not just simply murder, but have I helped and supported my neighbor? And that includes everyone that God has placed in your life, even those who, well, you might not get along with too well. Have you neglected them or have you served them, helping them and supporting them in every need? Because that neglect could definitely hurt and harm them. Right? So this commandment is all about God who says, I am the giver of life. I've given you all things. Now, I've given you your members, your senses, your reason, um, everything that you have. I provide for you as we look at the Apostles' Creed in the future. I have provided for you um, in body and soul, in daily bread and all these things. And, and when we talk about God's gift of life, when we fear, love, and trust God above all things, we know that He gives us everything. Right? Not only our lives, but those lives around us. So this commandment is about God who gives life from Adam and Eve to all of us, even to the life that was given by the redemption of Jesus Christ. It is this life that we are to uphold, cherish, help and support in every need. So again, as we go back to the catechism and the explanation, we should fear and love God, right? When we fear and love God and follow that first commandment, that is God's gift of life that God has given, and we know that because He is our Father, we will help and support our neighbor. But when we do not fear and love God above all things, we will inevitably venture off into hurting and harming our neighbor. And not, again, not simply by uh, murderous deeds, but by resentment, by anger, by saying, I don't want to help them because they're my enemy, or I don't want to help them because I don't like them, or I don't want to help or support them because they weren't nice to me. See? Now again, God's gift of life is unconditional. To serve is not just to serve whom we choose but it's to serve those that God has placed in our lives, including those who have betrayed us. I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but don't you see, when our hatred, when our resentment leads us, 
we fall to this fifth commandment because if our hatred and anger leads us, we are not going to help and cherish life that is in our neighbor. We will only serve conditionally based on our whims and our own preferences. And that is where, as I said in the last one, where the rubber meets the road. And that's not my own saying, of course, as you know, right? That's an age-old saying, and it's so true. Because again, as we look at Cain and Abel, it is Cain who failed to love his neighbor. That's the bottom line. He failed to love his neighbor and the gift of life that God has given. Right? Life is given by God. And the Lord even warned him, sin is crouching at your door, so be wary. Don't let your anger, resentment, your evil thoughts get the worst of you because if they do, you will probably and inevitably harm your brother Abel. And yeah, he, will, he, 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 he did. He brought him out to the field. He killed him. And he even said to the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? Right? We see what happens when we fail to fear and love trust, fail to fear, love, and trust God above all things. Um, and we see it in Cain. His anger drove him to kill his brother. He harmed his brother. He hurt and he uh, gave, he took his brother's life all because of his own sinful and murderous thoughts. Right? In the second book of Samuel, chapter 11, verse 15, now David, as we see it, uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba. Not only does he commit adultery with her, but she gets her pregnant. And in order to conceal and cover up this sin, well, first he tries to make Uriah a lie with his wife to somehow cover it up. But that was unsuccessful. So in order to cover up his sin of adultery and lust, he puts Uriah on the front line in order for him to be killed in battle. Now, that in itself shows how much David was falling short to the glory of God, how he was so deeply immersed in his sin that he would try to cover this up, his adulterous deeds, by murder in that line of battle. So again, was David cherishing life? Was David cherishing the life that God has given in that life of Uriah? Was he supporting and helping his neighbor in every need? No, because all he was looking out for was his own welfare. And in that, in his selfishness, in his uh, shame, right? Um, sin after sin, digging, digging a deeper and deeper and deeper hole, all he was doing was hurting and harming those around him. And in this case, it was Uriah. So the fifth commandment was alive and well um, in David's heart as he fell to it. Um, and, and we see that, that as a result of his fear, um, lack of fear and love and trust in God above all things, he inevitably did harm his neighbor. Again, friends, we must be reminded what God has called us to do, to love our neighbor. Right? Not with murderous thoughts, not with resentment, 
Remember the spiritual battle that we face in the flesh. As the Lord said to Cain again, sin is crouching at the door. The urge of sin is real. And as it says, with vengeance, as St. Paul writes in the book of Romans 12, 19, that sin of resentment, anger, jealousy, and envy, and all these things, it's not for us to repay by our own vengeance. But the Lord will do that. But we are called to help and support and seek the welfare of our neighbor. Right? Now in the Catechism, when we talk about hurt or harm and God's gift of life, we very well need to ask, how can we preserve life around us? Not only our own lives, but those that are around us. That is the key issue. How can we preserve life? Because they're all a gift from God. And whatever God gives, as we fear, love, and trust God above all things, we cherish these very gifts that He provides. So, some hot topic issues that we face in this world, including abortion. Um, so many people think it's, it's a choice or, or what, you know, the right that women have with their own bodies. But when we look at Scripture and the, 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 the gift of life, we stand for the unborn. We support life because we know that every life at conception is given by God. And therefore, since this life is precious to us, we need to constantly pray, again, for those who are in this situation, that the Lord may provide them the wisdom and faith uh, to, see, uh, to see the truth that God does provide, uh, and we cherish this preciousness of life. So abortion, a very big issue these days, and I think at the end of the day, um, we stand for life because this is a life that is given by God. And that's the bottom line. It's out of love. It's out of um, honor and respect of our Lord who has given all these things. And therefore, we stand for life. Other topics include suicide. That's another tough, tough topic uh, uh, for those uh, that have seen loved ones or those that have been close to them that have uh, committed suicide. It's such a difficult thing. Um, but again, um, we cherish life. And the Lord only gives and takes away, and we are there within ourselves knowing that God has put us in this place because He is the Lord and giver of life. We do not neglect these gifts, but we go to Him in all comfort knowing that even in the midst of all the anxieties that we face and all the struggles, just like uh, Cain with sin crouching at the door, yes, this life is very uh, there is ma many difficulties and tragedies and sufferings in this life. And the Lord says, Come all to me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it's during those deep, deep, dark afflictions um, that the Lord, that we pray that the Lord in His light will shine upon those that need that eternal comfort. So encourage those around you and always give them uh, the, the light of life, and that is in Christ Jesus Always encourage them to know that even in the midst of their sorrows, there Jesus takes upon their grief. But also, euthanasia, right? Another form of death that when a people are suffering, let's say from a, 
a disease and they are in great pain of cancer, again, uh, people resort to taking their own life um, by way um, um, quickly before uh, suffering even more. And again, um, this is uh, a question of who is taking away our life? Are we playing a part? Are we trying to take our own life? Are we trying to hurt or harm or are we trying to help and support because we cherish the life that God has given to us? Again, sin is crouching at the door. Right? God has given us this life. And it's in our sinful nature that we fail to remember that as we take life into our own hands as if we had control of it all. I guess when you think about it, for all of you out there, um, out there in space, well, not in space, but out there in the world, um, you didn't choose your name. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your hair color or, you know, as I'm getting older, it's getting a little thin up here, but you didn't choose to have thin hair as it humbly starts to go, right? You didn't choose to be uh, five, seven, sadly, or six, four, right? Or five, two, you didn't choose any of these things, nor did your parents choose it, but God has given you this life and he has given you this life the way you are. And to know that the Lord is the, uh, the giver of your life, we very well know uh, that he, he continues to provide for us and he continues to lead us um, by this faith. And that's very important, right? How can we preserve life? That is the bottom, life, uh, bottom line, because God has given us this life. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, and what ways in which we can do that? Again, uh, another hot topic issue coming up these days is domestic violence, right? Are we hurting or harming our neighbor? Or are we helping and supporting them? Child abuse. Are we hurting or harming our neighbor? Or are we helping and supporting them in all of their needs? Hatred. Slander. Uh, prejudice. Racism. Right? That's another hot topic. Are we hurting or harming our neighbors by our actions and words? Or are we helping and supporting them by our actions and words? You know, when you know what God has given to you in this life, not only in your being, but the life that he has given to you in Christ, who went to the cross for your sins, it is through that life of Christ that we see what Christ has done for us. Christ didn't come to hurt and harm us. But he came to help and support us by his very own life. And that is why we ought to love and serve our neighbor in this fifth commandment. Now, as we look in the mirror of the law, we know how far we have all fallen short. I think for most commonly for all of us, it's, well, we choose the ones we want to help and we avoid the ones we do not. That could be your enemy. That could be someone who betrayed you. That could be someone who has backstabbed you in some way, shape, or form. And you can have all the reasons in the world why you don't want to help them or why you subtly avoid their presence in helping them and supporting them in every need. But if we're not helping and supporting them when they need it the most, we are guilty of hurting and harming them. Right? 
So as we look at the mirror of the law and the fifth commandment today, well, we all, every one of us here, for those who are listening, we must all confess our sins and go to the one who does indeed help and support, not only help and support, but save and rescue and reverse that curse of sin and death. And that is Jesus Christ, that we go to him for his forgiveness. Because in Christ, by his shedding of his body and blood, we are forgiven by his sacrificial work, his death and resurrection. All the hatred, envy, slander, violence, murder, all that has been charged to Christ. And there he who knew no sin but became sin for us, our Christ, went to the cross to die for all of our sins. To uphold our own lives so that we are not mired in eternal death, so that we may have life in his name. And therefore, by the love of Christ and his work, uh, the Holy Spirit guides us to love one another. Rather than hurting and harming one another, we help and support our neighbor in every bodily need. Again, this is not something that you have to do. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the love of Christ, the third use of the law, the life of sanctification, that yeah, we just do this. Because we know what true love is. We know what true help is in the name of the Lord and Jesus Christ. We know what true support is when Jesus Christ gave his life as a ransom for, for many. That he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Right? Mark 10, 45. So that is what we're called to do in this commandment, to help and support. A great example is seen here in Luke chapter 10. The parable of the Good Samaritan. I know in this real world that we live in, um, there is that Good Samaritan law that uh, many are called to follow. And when we look at the Bible, it's very similar in a sense where in the Bible, the lawyer is asking, a lawyer, a very learned person of the law, he's trying to figure out and he asks Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The lawyer wanted to know exactly what he had to do, like to the T. Who or what and who he had to serve. And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? Again, he wanted to know exactly who he had to serve in order to save himself. Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man fell to robbers. He was stripped, left broken and beaten and half dead. Then there was a priest who walked down, wanted to avoid this, uh, this afflicted man, and he went on the other side of the street avoiding him. There was a Levite again who saw this afflicted man, broken, dead, and barely alive, and he again avoided him. But then there was the Good Samaritan who saw this wounded man and, and had great compassion on him, this splachnizomai, as we say in Greek. Um, and this compassion is not any like a slight superficial compassion, but this splachnizomai is a deep-seated, to-the-bowel compassion, right? Such great mercy and compassion for this so, uh, for this uh, broken man, that this Samaritan nursed his wounds, sent him to the inn, 
paid for his stay at the inn so that he would get better. This is a neighbor that Jesus was telling the lawyer to serve. And he says to the lawyer, if you think you could save yourself, right? If, if, you, uh, if you want to, you know, as a lawyer to inherit eternal life, what must you do? Serve your neighbor. And quickly, Jesus at the concluding part of that parable says, go and do likewise. I mean, it's like saying to the commandments. Yeah, follow the Ten Commandments, go and do likewise, and then you will be saved. Now, the lawyer, like everyone of us, everyone of us, everyone here uh, that you are listening, whoever's listening out there, uh, we very well know, like the lawyer, when we hear those words, go and do likewise, I think initially we think we can do it. But after a while, when we look at that mirror of the law, we all very well know that we fall short. That that go and do likewise shows us that though we ought to love our neighbor with our, all of our, um, that we should love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and we should love our neighbors as ourselves, and Jesus says, go and do likewise, that law immediately shows us how we, well, have fallen short and that we are guilty of this commandment. That we cannot earn our way, friends. You know, it, it doesn't matter how good you think you are, or how perfect and pious, or how how good, how you believe that you are in good standing with God by your own works. But that go and do likewise reminds us that we need the one who actually does go and do likewise. And the one that does go and do likewise is Christ. Right? He, go he goes and he does it. He gets it done. By going to the cross for our sins, the greatest act of her servanthood. He sees the world wounded and beaten and broken and separated from God, and he helps and supports. Not only supports, but he saves and rescues us by taking upon our sin, and going to the cross, dying for them, and on the third day rising for us, so we may have eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation. And through that love, through the sacrificial, unconditional, merciful, compassionate love of Christ, we this day have life as children of God, covered by the body and blood of Jesus. That is the love that we're speaking of here today. When we fail to remember that, that's where we go down this path. But the Lord says, repent. Right? Confess your sins. Turn. And there in Christ, in faith, in His work upon the cross, we have the ultimate help and support. That is the forgiveness of sins by the body and blood shed for us on the cross by Jesus Christ our Savior. It's through that love where now we see the commandments and say, how can I love my neighbor? If Jeff here, we have never seen Jeff, I know, but if you ever saw him, I don't know where that would go there. <laughs> but if, you said, if I ever saw him on the road, and if I didn't know him, that fifth commandment would remind me of, how can I serve him when he is afflicted? How can I be of his benefit, serving him in his greatest of welfare, needing to support him in this broken time? How can I do that as a Christian? 
not because I have to or it makes me feel better about myself, but it's because we know the love of Christ. We know what Christ has done for us in the gospel, and we know that by this very gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He leads us to love our neighbor. Now, are we perfect in that, friends? No. We have many weak thoughts, sinful thoughts, right? We have so many excuses of why we should not help our neighbor. But all in the meanwhile, what's happening? If we're not helping our neighbor, more often times than not, we are hurting and harming them by our lack of actions, by our sinful thoughts, by our resentments, by our envy, by our anger. I mean, we see it in the world today. And that's the bottom line, the lack of fear and love and trust in God above all things. It's not about whose fault is it, or who should we serve, or they don't deserve my time. But when we think of Christ and what He has done, we don't deserve anything for what He has done for us by way of the cross. But with great compassion, He comes to us to die and to be our Savior. So friends, remember that this day, that through His love, we are able to love and support, help and rescue those who are in need rather than hurting and harming them. Right? Repentance, forgiveness, supporting life, that we shall not murder. This is our theme for today. And as we conclude today, um, again, uh, a good book we have here, it's called uh, Praying Luther Small Catechism. Right? I encourage you to uh, get this whenever you can, but it's a great way to supplement the many texts uh, that we are going through today. Uh, Praying Luther Small Catechism by John Pless. And he provides these prayers in here for you, so we're going to conclude today uh, with this word of prayer. Let us pray. God, defender of the weak and help, helper of the helpless, we implore you to sustain us with your favor and to strengthen us by your mercy that we might act with tenderness towards our neighbor, never hurting or harming, harming them in their bodies by hateful words, destructive deeds, or neglect of their well-being. Instead, Empower us to help and support them in every physical need, even as you have shown mercy to us in your crucified Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. May you all have a blessed day, and hopefully uh, we'll see you again uh, for the next whiteboard session of the Sixth Commandment. Thanks for listening to this study on Luther's Small Catechism. We hope this was helpful as you grow in the Christian faith and study of the Bible. For more information about Faith Lutheran Church, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.